Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky and praise team for leading us in that time of worship. Um, I don't always do it, but I kind of put in a request, I guess, several weeks back, mentioning that song by the Gettys, By Faith, one of my, I guess you'd say, many favorite hymns by them. Just a beautiful song reminding us of what it means to have faith in the one who has given us a promise to follow him. And as we promise, as, as we follow that promise, that knowing for certain, because of, because of he being a, a promise keeper from the past, even today and, and into the future, that he will continue to lead and guide and bless and move in the lives of his people. By faith, by faith we walk. As I began to think about closing out this series for us this morning, I began to think about what, 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 what the faith process is really like. Now, I, I brought some examples with, to show you this morning um, just to, to kind of think about, about what I believe the process of faith and growing in faith really looks like. My, my sons and I, we, we started a, a new hobby. And when I say new, I mean very new. So, so don't judge me. We, um, we started forging knives. In fact, we had to rush yesterday just so I could finish a knife to bring it as an example this morning. We, we took something like this, this railroad spike, being actually, even though we think it's hard, it's actually a mild steel, a very soft steel. It's not soft when you start pounding on it. But in the grades of steel, it's kind of a softer steel. As, as you take a spike like this, I think about how it relates to faith. In order to, to get this knife, in order to get this stake into, into the form of a knife, you have to place it into the fire. And I mean, you have to get it hot. Like it's glowing orange, and, and, it, and it's really easier to move if it gets almost to a yellow point. It's got to be almost to a point where it looks like it's about to melt, so you can finally start pounding it into shape. You, you hit it, you hammer it, you mold it, you shape it. And, and then just at the right time, you, you take it out of the fire. And after you've gotten it shaped up just really right, you actually have to put it back into the fire and bring it up to a very critical point of a temperature. And then you take it out really fast and you, and you dunk it in a quench. Water, oil, salt water, whatever it might be. And at just the right time, you place that blade down into the, into the water, into the oil. And then as... You listen, it stops hissing, stops pinging, stops making the noise. You, you pull it out, and you get something like this. Now, with a little bit of cleaning and a little bit of sharpening, you, you come out with a, with a pretty decent knife, especially for our first time. I, I began to think about, you know, this is exactly what the Christian life is like. It's very similar to this. You see, God takes us when we're all just like this. At the very beginning of our faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, He takes us in our very rough shape, in our rough condition. He takes us warts and bumps and bruises and all. He takes us exactly like we are, and He begins to mold us and shape us to ultimately perfect us for His good and His glory. Now that process, can I just tell you, it can be very uncomfortable. There's times where God allows us to go into the fire. There's times that God allows us to be taken out of that fire and beat to a pulp. 
I mean, it, it just it, it can be difficult. We, we go through life and we go through experiences and we go through so many things that are going on and, and it just it, and it feels like there's no end. It feels like there, there's just nowhere to go. There feels like at times as if there is no hope because we're back into the fire, we're back into the furnace, we're back under the, in, on the anvil, we're, we're being beat one more time. All the while, God is molding and shaping us the way he designs, the way he desires. You see that all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. Over and over again, what the author of Hebrews has done is, is he's taken men and women who, look, they, they were rough. None of them were perfect. Even though we hold them up as examples of faith, it's been said, and we'll say it again, every one of them had their faults. Every one of them had their difficulties. Every one of them had their own problems. Yet God continued to mold. God continued to shape. God continued to refine them to the point that he was able to use their lives for his glory and not their own. We pick up in Hebrews chapter 11 with some examples, again, of the Old Testament saints, uh, the Israelites who've walked this earth and who, who lived their lives for the glory of God. Yes, they had bumps. Yes, they had bruises. Yes, they had their faults. But God, in His providence and in His grace, continued to mold and shape them and use them as He saw fit. Hebrews chapter 11, let's pick up in, in verse 30 this morning. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies into flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bounds, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Listen to verse 39. All of these... All of these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning that, Lord, we would continue to be reminded of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Lord, that even when we find ourselves in the midst of the refiner's fire, Lord, we know that you are working all things for the good of those who know you, who love you, who call you by name. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning to understand the process of refinement and that we might continue to live our lives for the glory of God and that through faith, by faith, we might point others 
to the promise and the hope found only in Jesus Christ. Be with us now. Speak. Lead God and direct us. And it is in his perfect and precious name we pray. Amen. Whenever I think about this passage, I think about just, again, just some amazing examples. What, what the author of Hebrews here does is, is he basically has just given us this long list of all these faithful Old Testament saints who've gone before. And, and, and now he's just kind of, he's kind of bringing it to the, to the really to the, the culmination. And, and, he's, and he's getting so excited about the end that what he really what he does is he, he kind of rushes through a, a few more examples. So just to be fair to the text, that's exactly what I'm going to do this morning. We're, we're going we're gonna to think about these examples, but really we're going we're gonna to rush to the end. What, what was it that we see? You see, the faith that was exhibited by God's people in these nine verses was absolutely staggering. He begins here in verse 30 talking about Joshua, right? Joshua led God's people to march around Jericho for seven days. I can only imagine that, the, that those who were in Jericho, they were sitting there watching the army of God march around and I, don't you, can't you imagine that they were probably sitting there thinking, man, these guys are nuts. These guys have got to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, we might be under siege, but all they're doing is marching around the city. What good is that going to do? Yet the Israelites were confident that God would move. They were confident that God would do exa- exactly what everyone else thought was impossible. And guess what? That's what he did. God knocked down the walls. The author of Hebrews then moves on to Rahab. Think about her. Here she is. She's a pagan prostitute. She's a pagan prostitute, but she's a pagan prostitute who had heard of Israel's mighty God. God began to work in her life, opening up her mind and her heart to the reality of faith and and ultimately seeing that she had faith in God and it moved her to welcome the spies who were sent by Israel. She no longer saw them as, as threats, as a danger, but she actually opened her home up and received them as servants of God. The author of Hebrews then mentions people like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. All of these coming from the book of Judges. All of these served as judges in a time where God's people really had stopped focusing on God's word. And as they began to move away from what it was that God was leading them to do, God sent judges into the nation to begin to open up their minds and their hearts to him again. The author then mentions David, obviously the greatest of the kings. He moves to Samuel and and talks about how all of the prophets were, were faithful examples and servants of faith. Verses 33 through 38, really you can summarize it quickly. Just take your copy and just kind of walk along and and see what the author of Hebrews here does. By faith, it says that God's people conquer kingdoms. They established justice and they obtained, or some translations say that they they inherited spiritual blessings. By faith, God's people shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, God's people gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put armies to flight. By faith, God's people received dead, the dead back to life. They endured torture and survived mockery and imprisonment. By faith, God's people stood firm in the midst of stoning and even being sawed in two. Most scholars believe this is a reference to the prophet Isaiah. 
Writings outside of the scripture tell us that Isaiah indeed was sought in two. These people, by faith, stood firm in the midst of stoning, being sought in two, persecution, hunger, and severe abuse. And, and, and ultimately, as the author of Hebrews here rushes through it, he leads it to verse 38. Look at verse 38. He gives us this description of all of these who've gone before us, who lived a life of faith even in the midst of the difficulties and trials that they were going through. He says the world was not worthy of them. You see, the author reminds us that, that people of faith are often despised by this world. That, that people who surrender their lives to the glory of God, that people who surrender their life to live for God's glory, for the people who surrender their life to, to follow in the example and the footsteps of Jesus Christ, that we as believers, that when we align ourselves with Christ, the world will mock us, the world will despise us. And, and the author of Hebrews says, and the world itself was not worthy of such people. How do we know that? Because they showed their unworthiness. By their, by their mistreatment and their rejection of those who place their faith in the Lord. You see, these are examples of faith that sometimes the world still looks at and shakes their head in disbelief. But as the world shakes their head in disbelief, we as believers are, are encouraged. We're, we're, we're reminded. Really, what, this, what the author of, here, of Hebrews is doing here is he's teaching us that, that faith in God does not always guarantee comfort in this world. But faith in God always guarantees that God will be faithful. Do you understand what I'm saying? The world sees it and again just shakes their head and mocks people who might live their life according to this kind of faith. But, but, the, but the world doesn't understand that faith in God is not a guarantee that we will have comfort in this world, but faith in God is absolutely the promise that God will be faithful to do exactly what it is that he said he would do. What was that? What, what was it and what is it that, that we need to understand as we walk through the book of Hebrews? What, what is the whole point of this, of this hall of faith? Well, we see it in verse 39. You see, the history that we've been studying for weeks and weeks now leads us to this, as many might call it, this culmination of faith. Or some have even said this vindication of the faith. Look at it again. Pick up in verse 39. All of these, all of who? All of these people that have been mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. All of these faithful Old Testament servants. All of these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. You see, most of the faithful people of God mentioned in this chapter saw only glimpses, just a, just a glimpse at, at what was specifically promised by God. They, they caught only a glimpse of how good our father really is now look don't don't get me wrong they 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 saw some amazing things in their day but but they were still living you want to talk about really living on hope really living on on what the future might might and would hold that they were the ones who were really living by faith because because they had been given a promise and and in their lifetime that promise had not been fulfilled but guess what church 
what was promised and led them to live a life of faith, praise God, we've experienced. Praise God, we've seen the reality of it. That there was something that was promised to them that really helped them anticipate a greater and brighter and stronger future that you and I are living in the presence in this very moment and yet there's still hope even for the future. You see Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13, we've already studied this. You look back at verse 13, tells us these all died. Who's these? Well, all these Old Testament saints. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. They knew that there was something better that was coming. They knew that there was someone greater who was coming. You jump, jump to verse 16. Same chapter, verse 16. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. You see, God, God was pleased. He was very well pleased with these Old Testament saints because of their faith. You see, their faith sustained them in good times and in bad. It was their faith really in a, in a, in a providential God, in a faithful God that, that helped them to, to endure even when, when times got difficult. Old Testament saints, they put their faith in what was promised and yet they did not receive the final promise. Even in the midst of all of that, they did not stop believing. They continued to live a life of example that you and I can follow. They recognized that they must wait for the fullness of the promise. They recognized that the promise would be realized ultimately in the end. And in light of all of that, in light of all of that, what the author of Hebrews here does is he says that, that there was something greater. There was someone better who was coming for us. Obviously referring to the new covenant of Christ. The sacrifice that Christ paid on our behalf. You understand that these Old Testament Hebrew saints, these Old Testament Israelite saints, what they were doing is they were living, in their, they're living their lives in faith for God's glory in expectation of a coming Messiah. You see, these, these Israelite saints, these, these people of God, some actually, I guess, even pagan saints, those who were, who were not Israelites, they, they were living their lives in faith in the expectation of a coming Messiah. And now you and I who live on this side of the cross, we've experienced God's grace. We've experienced God's providence. We've experienced all of the love of a wonderful heavenly Father who fulfilled the promise, sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and mine. These Old Testament saints were saved by that. You and I today were saved by that. A better promise. Something that was greater. God ordained that these Old Testament believers ultimately would not be perfected apart from New Testament believers. You see it there in the end of verse 40. So that they would not be made perfect without us 
You see, despite the remarkable faith of the Old Testament saints, something better would only come with the new covenant. That something better arrived when Jesus showed up on the scene. That something better happened when Jesus took the nails on the cross. For the Old Testament saints, for you, for me, and for the people who have not even born yet, who will have an opportunity to respond to the truth of the gospel. There is something better. There is something greater. So what the author of Hebrews here does is, is he continues to remind us of these faithful Old Testament servants. But ultimately he points us to something that is so much greater, something that is so much better, that is the, the ultimate promise being fulfilled in Christ. These Old Testament saints, they, again, they did show their faith. They did some incredible things. They, they, they gained divine promises. They conquered injustice. They, they, they faced torture. They muzzled the mouths of lions, right? They received God's favor. They lived as examples for you and I to follow. They challenge us. They challenge us to be faithful in the midst of persecution. They challenge us to be, to be faithful in the midst of COVID-19. They challenge us to be faithful. Whatever comes our way, they challenge us to be faithful as men and women of God. They challenge us to be faithful as, as fathers who point their children to the reality of who God is. They challenge us to live our lives for the glory of God regardless of what comes our way. They challenge us and motivate us. They encourage us. When we believe God, like the saints in the Old Testament, when we believe Him, we can take Him at His word. We can walk with Him through whatever He places before us. Though He might be placing us into the furnace, we can continue to walk in faithfulness. We by faith in God, can face sickness. We can face loss of job. We can face difficult family situations. We can face uncertainty. With faith in God, we can glorify Him in our daily lives. With all that we think, all that we say, and all that we do. And ultimately, one day when we stand before Him in His presence, hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. We can follow the examples of these Old Testament saints knowing in confidence that God rewards those who seek Him with all of their heart. We can look back at Hebrews chapter 11 and be amazed by these people of faith and we can be challenged by them. But ultimately, ultimately, all of this points to this truth that our faith is rooted in the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. I know it's not our passage for this morning, but you really can't separate Hebrews 11 from 12's 1 and 2. Just look ahead, Hebrews chapter 12. You see that word, therefore? I've always taught every church I've ever been a part of. Every time you see it, therefore, you ask. What's it there for? Anytime you see it there for, you should ask, what's it there for? I can tell you exactly what this therefore is there for. 
It's pointing back. All the faithfulness that you've seen in Hebrews chapter 11 culminated in the truth that even these Old Testament saints were saved in their faith in the coming greater blessing of Jesus Christ. Therefore, since you see all of that as reality, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source, the author, and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, being despised, despised by the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, since you have all of this example of faithful servants who've gone before you, therefore, since you've seen God be faithful in the midst of all of these people, even though at times they wavered in their faithfulness, therefore, since God has moved in their lives, therefore, since God has been faithful to bless the lives of those who've gone before us, therefore, since God is about moving in the lives of His people for His glory, therefore, church... Since you've seen and experienced the faithfulness of God, continue to live your life for His glory. Put aside the sin that so easily ensnares and entangles you and set your eyes and focus on Christ. Yes, look at those who've gone before. Yes, marvel, be challenged, be encouraged, but ultimately, church, keep your eyes on Jesus because He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Ours, theirs in the Old Testament, and even those who are coming behind us. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So how do we respond? Today, can I encourage you just to trust God? I mean, that almost sounds cliche at this point, doesn't it? But truly trust Him. Because of his faithfulness, because of his reliability, because of his certainty, because of his power, because of his goodness, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, place all of your trust and hope and faith in God the Father. Because he always has been, is, and always will be faithful to move in the lives of his people. Trust in his promises. Trust in his character. Don't, don't, don't enjoy life so much that you lose sight of the hope of the coming glory. You see, there is something still greater yet to come. The best has already been here through Jesus Christ, but there's something that's even, even gooder, can I say. There's something better. We're, one of these days, we're going to be in the presence of Christ for all eternity. Don't lose focus of that. Don't let the, the flame, don't let the furnace, don't let the trials, don't let the troubles, don't let the tribulation take your eyes off of Christ and not be excited about the future and the hope that is yet to come. Be willing 
Be willing to face threats. Be willing to face persecution. Be willing to face the furnace. Church, come in here real close. Just in case you didn't know it. We live in a day and time, still this day, where the church is mocked. Where people of faith are looked down upon. Our intelligence is questioned. We don't fight back. We don't get angry. Show our tails. We just love people. And we don't let any of that rob us of our faith and our hope and our joy. That we serve a Savior who loves me and loves those people who are mocking me. We serve a God who is faithful to bring salvation to anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve a God who even through our trials and tribulation, he will prove himself faithful to us. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof, the confidence, the certainty of what is not seen. Faith is trusting God fully and obeying Him. Going wherever it is He calls you to go. Doing whatever it is He calls you to do. Faith is living our lives for the glory of God regardless of how hot the furnace might get. Knowing that in the end, he's going to perfect us for his glory. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, indeed, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I ask right now that as we enter in this time of invitation that you would continue to move in our midst. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted in you, Lord, if there's anyone who's listening by the way of the internet, Lord, I pray if there's anyone who's never fully surrendered their life to Christ, that today would be the day. Lord, we have been reminded all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, and again this morning, of how faithful you are. How you, being a good, good father, sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And that even though we might still stumble and falter, that you are always faithful. Lord, right now, I pray if there's anyone who's never trusted you, that today would be the day that they repent of their sins, confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, for the rest of us who are here and listening by way of the internet, those who've already trusted in Christ, Lord, I pray that you would just remind us that you are a faithful God, that, Lord, you will work in a mighty way, that you will continuously, forever and ever and ever, prove your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged, we would be motivated, we would be challenged by the saints of old who've gone before us and lived their lives for your glory. I pray that we would be reminded that you are a faithful God who will absolutely fulfill every promise that you ever made. 
that regardless of what we experience today and tomorrow and in the future, we hold on to a hope of a greater future. We hold on to a hope that we as believers will be in your presence forever and ever one day. Lord, may that empower us to be bold witnesses in this world, even though we might be mocked. Lord, do a work in our hearts. Help us, Lord, as we leave this day to be forever more radically changed so that we can continue to live our lives faithfully, pointing the truth of how good, how good, how good you are as our Father. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.